Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. I am so excited to begin a new series with all of you today, a series that we are calling Fathom. And it really hinges around this idea of the hope and the vision that's given to us by Jesus to know him more, to experience his love in a greater way. Uh, The key scripture to this entire series is uh, right here, based out of Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read that together for starters, just to give us an overview of the key uh, scripture for this series. And let's start, big voices go. And I ask him, Jesus, that with both feet planted firmly on love, You'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Our hope in this series is that we would seek Jesus for the ability to understand the fullness and the depth of God's love. That's what this entire series is about, because there's always so much more that God wants to show us. So this series will take us through the the foundational facets of the love of God that has been revealed to us in Scripture. And it also actually ties directly to our deep dive small groups that are beginning right now. And if you haven't yet signed up for one of those, I would recommend it, joining one of those, because these are all connected together. Because all of it is intended with a single goal, and it's this. Understanding the depth of God's love is directly tied to our experience of God's transformation. Meaning, if we can just grow in that first and greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, we would find ourselves in that process becoming different people. We would actually see our lives change. See, too often I think we focus on the wrath of God being the thing that changes us. You know, God's going to be mad at me. I better get it together. And yes, the threat of punishment can certainly change our behavior. The problem is often it does not change a heart. No, as we're told, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Charles Spurgeon said it so well. He said, while I regarded God as a tyrant, I thought my sin a trifle. But when I knew him to be my father, then I mourned that I could ever have kicked against him. When I thought God was hard, I found it easy to sin. But when I found God so kind, so good, so overflowing with compassion, I smote upon my breast that I could ever have rebelled against the one who loved me so and sought my good. If we only understood the depth of the love of God, the depth of the love that God has for us, those those many default behaviors in our lives that that we've wrestled with, those things that lead us to run away instead of run close to God, those would finally be brought down because of our awareness of the goodness of God. We need to know God's love better. And it is that truth that is the substance of our talk today. Uh, As we dial in our understanding of the loving God, who is God the Father. 
That's the way God reveals himself to us in Scripture, as the loving, good Father. And, and I think for all of us, it, it's hard not to be moved by the idea of a good father. You know, the, the, the loving prayer of one who would want to give, want to help, want to save. One who only desires that those who are hurting and lost would come home. In a perfect world, that's how fathers would be, isn't it? Uh, I think in a perfect world, every father would land somewhere between Pa from Little House on the Prairie and Mufasa from The Lion King. It would be some combo of those. Uh, fathers would be our champions. They'd be our heroes. They'd be our inspiration. That's what a perfect father would be in a perfect world. But we don't live in a perfect world, do we? There are, thankfully, many good fathers. In fact, I know some of them that are part of our church family. But sadly, in our world, many fathers are absent. Additionally, though, there are those fathers who are very much present, but their presence is anything but helpful, anything but beneficial. Fathers who, as a result of their own pain, inflict great pain on the ones they were supposed to love, they were supposed to lay down their lives for. And I would just say to you, if that is your experience regarding an earthly father today, I'm so sorry. It wasn't supposed to be like that. And I can understand how for you, even the word father is tainted. And so knowing that, it is my great hope today not only to help us gain a greater understanding of the love of God the Father, but actually to even redeem that word Father by pointing us to the Father who is pure in love, pure in goodness, pure in compassion. So today is my hope that all of us would grow in our experience of the love of God the Father. See, fathers are a big deal, aren't they? Regardless how good or bad or absent or present our father was, their impact on our life is immeasurable. And regardless of that good or bad, fathers leave a mark. I often speak of my father who died 22 years ago because I loved him much, but the interesting thing is as the time goes by, I am more acutely aware of his flaws than ever both in how they affected my mom and my family and the parts that I got from him, you know, I, I just see those. You know, I, I wish somehow selfishness could skip a generation, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? But it doesn't work like that. And some of the things I most disliked about my dad are the things I most dislike about me. So I get it that this conversation around Father God is a very mixed bag. And with that said, even if you don't have a great history when it comes to your earthly father, that may be the dad that you are or the dad that you have, there is good news because each and every one of us can still have a model father. So the story we engage in engages this truth directly. Um, it's, it's a parable that Jesus told. It is a very well-known parable. It's, it's been called the parable of the prodigal son, often told as a story of redemption for a wayward young man. 
And as powerful as that is, the, the story's true focus really isn't about the sun or the actions of the sun. In fact, a better name for this story would be the running father. The God who reveals himself as a dad in pursuit of his kids. And the first way that happens that I would point out is this. That Father God loves through sacrifice. Father God loves through sacrifice. Luke 15, where we're going to begin here. And uh, starting verse 11, let's read it together. Big voices, go. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. I first want you to notice the audacity of the young man. Dad, can I get my inheritance now, like before you're dead? <laughs> I mean, it makes you wonder if the kid might have done some things to try to speed that along a little bit. Hey, Dad, there's a ladder here, some stuff up high. Could you get up on this ladder? Let's see what happens. A little wobbly, but go ahead, try it, you know. Dad, I know you're allergic, but, but could you help me gather honey from the beehives today? I know you kind of, you know, got some problems with allergies, but, but, you know, that's fine. They're tame. You'll be good. We don't need to use the gear and all that stuff. Let's just go, go, you know, deal with the honey. Or maybe it's, Dad, how many marshmallows do you think you can fit in your mouth at one time? Let's try that, you know. I just wonder if he tried to move it along, if in that season he's like, man, if only Dad could be out of the way, and he finally gives up because Dad's not dying fast enough. And so he says, I want my inheritance now. The word prodigal is a Latin word. It means reckless. It's action without thinking. We've all had reckless moments, right? Well, this was certainly a reckless moment for this kid. I mean, think of the reckless moments that we have. I remember just recently a friend of mine who was in law enforcement he, he talked about, uh, just we were talking about this idea of the consequences of not thinking about our actions. And he talked about coming upon uh, a crash, a single car crash. It was just into a fence post. Um, the driver was outside the vehicle. They, they were unhurt. Um, but he's, he asked, it happened to be a woman, and he asked, he said, what, what happened in, in this crash? And, and the lady said, well... I was listening to a podcast, and, and it ended up being a, a scary podcast. And it got so scary that I think I passed out. <laughs> and I thought that was so fascinating because we don't always do a good job at evaluating the outcomes of our decisions, do we? Yet biblical wisdom wants us to, to see where that decision leads and to adjust to the better outcome. That's what the Bible asks us to do. Because so often our decisions are the result of a predictable misery, aren't they? <laughs> We're like, this never worked, it's never helped me before, but I'm going to do it again. Oh, it always ends up in the same place, but here I go again. That's so often what our decisions look like. But Proverbs 14.8 says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their way, but the folly of fools is deception. Give thought to their way. This was a reckless young man. He was entirely in the wrong. Yet what does the father do in response to this outrageous, this insulting, this hurtful request? Knowing fully what the son is doing. What does the father do? 
Here's what the Father does. The Father looks at the Son in love and gives it anyway. Father looks at the Son in love and gives anyway. The cost is great. It's not just a financial cost. This was personal. You want this money instead of relationship with me. And the Father, knowing that cost, still paid it. It was a sacrifice. It's a powerful picture of a model father being one who never stops giving in love. It is a life marked by sacrifice. Even flawed dads know what it is to live that way, right? We, we give the last dollars from our wallet for our kids. We buy braces instead of a new motorcycle we wanted. We go to painful elementary school concerts that no one should ever have to endure. We play dolls and princesses. Well, I didn't do a lot of that, but I hear that that can be rough. You know, we get up in the middle of the night when they're sick and we clean up the aftermath. That's just what flawed fathers do. Look at the good father. The good father's heart is always one to give away. And this passage is showing us a powerful truth. And it's this. Where our sacrifice is limited and flawed, Father God's sacrifice is complete and perfect. I'll say it again. Where our sacrifice is limited and flawed, Father God's sacrifice is complete and perfect. This loving father loved his son through sacrifice. And the loving father God loves you the same way. Because father God loves through sacrifice. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Father God engages with hope. Let's continue the passage. Big voices go. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? But I'm starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. So the lost son, uh, the reckless son, finally snaps out of it. And he's realizing that I, I may have given up on being my father's child, but I can at least go back and get a job. He somehow knew that that possibility was still awaiting him back home. Which is amazing to me. After all he said, after all he did, essentially saying to his father, I'd rather you were dead, somehow he still knew he could come home. I mean, this is amazing. The, the father had somehow communicated through all those years that, that not only is home a place that you would want to come back to, but home is a place that no matter what you've done, you still can come back to. That's what was ingrained in him. I, I remember um, when Paul and I were dating, and we were beginning to explore the idea of, of marriage and, and perhaps getting engaged and stuff. And it was an exciting time. 
And I remember at one point she, she sat me down with, with this deal breaker kind of conversation. And she's like, you know, I, there's something I need to talk to you about. I know we're talking, we're getting serious, but, but you need, we need to talk about this. Because once you know this, you may not decide you don't want to, to pursue this with me. This, this may be something that stands in the way of us moving forward in our relationship. And I'm like, wow, that's a really heavy thing. And I'm wondering, what could it be? Did you kill somebody, you know? Are you like, are you like is it, am I in a Scooby-Doo episode? You're gonna like take off a mask? It's me, Mr. Smithers, I haven't been Polly. You know, I didn't know what was, what was gonna come out of her mouth. And so I'm waiting for this heavy thing to drop. And she looks at me and she looks me in the eyes. She says, Aaron, I have school loans. <laughs> And I, she's like, she's like, I, I don't want you to have that weight, you know. Is that a deal breaker? I'm like, no, that's not a deal breaker. I'm like, well, well, how much are they, by the way? <laughs> no, it wasn't a deal breaker. But she thought that that could be the step too far for us. Here we see um, the result of a father building a truth into a child that there is not a step that you can take that keeps you from being able to take a step back home, no matter what. I think of, um, there's a story of a, of a person learning to fly a plane, so he's there with his instructor beside him, and the instructor says, I want you to go into a steep climb, so he goes into a steep climb, and at that, the instructor did some things to um, turn off the engine, make the engine die. And so the plane is now in a flat spin. It's just out of control. You know, the, the, the novice is trying to correct it, but there's nothing he can do. He doesn't know how to get the engine restarted again. The ground is getting closer and closer. It is an intense moment. He's like, come on, I don't know what to do. And finally, the instructor just pulls on a few knobs, pulls up on the, on the steering wheel, or the yoke, I think is what they call it, and pulls out, and the engine roars back to life, and they're just back to flying level again. And the student was just irate. He's like, how, how could you possibly let that happen to me? I was so out of control. I thought we were going to die. It was, I, I, I didn't know how to, how to fix it. And the instructor's reply was this. There's not any position you can get this plane into that I can't get it out of. This is the truth of God's love. There is not a point of no return regarding God's love. God's love is the constant. The only way we will be eliminated from the love of the Father is by refusing the Father's offer, or rejecting that love. And, and that's really good news for us. If you've ever felt like, maybe I've gone too far, and, and, and I think this son in this story certainly felt that way because the son had crossed every line. He'd broken every rule. He'd stabbed everyone that mattered in the back. And still the son came home because somehow he knew this truth. Our need for help will never outweigh God's power to heal. Our need for help will never outweigh God's power to heal. God can always heal. And that was the hope the Father had established in that place and in that person. It was the, the hope that the Father had as his son walked away. Always leaving a place for that son to come home to. I remember um, there was a, we, we pastored a, 
uh, we're associate pastors at a church in Springfield for, for many years, and um, there's a wonderful family there, the Bellamy family, a uh, wonderful family. Um, and we, all three of their kids were part of our youth ministry when we were there. And I, her son Brent, um, this was post high school after he graduated, he actually was our youth pastor for a while when we planted over in Redmond. He was a fun youth pastor. He had dreadlocks. He lived in his car. He was a lot of fun. Um, but I remember going on a trip after he had graduated, and we were coming through Eugene. And it was the middle of the night, and we're driving. And just on a whim, we decided to stop by his house in Springfield. In the middle of the night, like midnight, past midnight. And, and, just, and we were just going to kind of sneak in and have coffee. But wouldn't you know, Kathy Bellamy, the mom, Mom Bellamy, was, was there immediately for all of us. There, there were three or four of us, I think. And suddenly there's smoothies on the table, like just fresh smoothies. And there's, there's like biscuits. And, oh, I happen to have this filet mignon just you know, ready for you. I mean, it was just, there was suddenly this spread of food on the table at the middle of the night. Because she was so wired to make sure no matter what, this was a home you always wanted to come to. Father God wants to be that place for you. That no matter what, any hour, any moment, that when we turn to him and come home, that he's always there with open arms. So I think the question for us is really this. Where do we run when things go wrong? Father God has built into us this spiritual GPS, and we may decide to turn it off, or we may want to turn the volume down, but it's always there. We can always run home to Father God, no matter where we have run away to. And so when the, fun, when the son finally came to his senses, he said, now wait a minute, I remember home, and it was safe, and it was good, and even the servants had it much better than I have it right now. And he remembered the hope that his father had placed in him. Some of you need to remember that hope today, at this moment. A hope that you can actually act on by running back to Father God. Because Father God engages with hope. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Father God believes in faith. Let's finish out the passage, Luke 15, starting the second part of verse 20. Big voices go. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his, then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put, on, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. It certainly to me isn't coincidence that when the lost son returned, the father was waiting on the porch to see him. The father hadn't gone to kind of business as usual, hadn't moved on, hadn't forgotten the son he once had. No, the model father was waiting, was believing in faith that one day his son would come home. 
Now, I know that to be the cry of countless fathers and mothers, and surely some who are listening to this today. A prayer for sons and daughters who are lost in the storms of this world, those prayers are common for so many. And that prayer is simply often this, God, bring them home. Maybe you've prayed for months for a child like that or for years. I want you to let this passage be a reminder to you of this. Stay on the porch. Stay on the porch. Don't give up. The model father we see here never stopped loving, never stopped hoping, never stopped believing. The model father stayed on the porch waiting for them to come home. I remember one night my mom and I were hanging out and talking. We weren't really talking about anything in particular, but just out, uh, offhand she, she said something. She said, uh, we were talking about how I would often come home pretty late in high school, you know, and I'd kind of try to sneak in, be real stealthy, and get the leftovers and then go to bed, you know. And she said, you know, your father never slept until you got home. Did you know that? That is as stealthy as I thought I was sneaking in, that he always knew when I got home and he never slept until I did. He couldn't. He couldn't rest until I was home. This is part of the wiring of the amazing love that Father God has for us. It says this in the book of Psalms, Psalm 124. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. This is the heart that Father God has for you. Never sleeping, waiting on the porch, continuing to believe in faith, not resting until you are home safe. And then when God sees you make those first few steps back home, God runs across the field and closes the gap. And understand, this is not just for the person who goes into kind of full tilt, crazy living like the, the, the son here did in, in this passage. No, for any of us who follow Jesus, there are times when we know that we're in close pursuit of Jesus, but there are other times in our life we know we're kind of running away. Now, outside we look the same to everybody else, but inside we know where our hearts are. And there are seasons where it's like, yes, I'm really getting close to Jesus, I'm pursuing, and other seasons like, no, I know I'm running away. Okay? We know that is true for people. And for those times when we are far, guess what? God is waiting on the porch. And when we finally come back, it's not the lecture maybe we thought it would be. Now what we see here is when the son comes back, we see the father that kisses him and puts a ring on his finger and throws a party God does that every time we come home to him, every time we turn back to him. But like this prodigal, we, I think, wonder, will that really be the response this time? You know, I mean, I've really kind of used this one up. Maybe I'm a little gun shy. May we come to God and we're kind of awaiting the rebuke and, and, and the God's going to say, you're going to work off your debt this time and I'm going to teach you some responsibility and after all, you did wish I was dead. That's not very nice. So there's going to be some consequences. There's going to be some tough love involved. But we don't see any of that in this passage. So much so that the older brother gets mad. Now that's a story for another time. 
But here we see the true nature of God's kindness. Father God's love is not tied to penance for where we've been. It is instead tied to the restoration of where we are now. Now that restoration may ultimately address hurts of the past. It may balance the scales. It may bring about justice and and bring some things back to right. But those are the fruits of restoration, not payments of restitution. Why? Because God already paid for those. God already made that possible. We already have our inheritance, the love and forgiveness that is found in Jesus. That's our inheritance, and it's available to us now. And as God sits on the porch believing in us, we in turn can come to God believing in his Son because Father God believes in us and believes in faith. I'll wrap up with this. The the story here, it certainly moves from tragedy to triumph, from brokenness to restoration. The sun returns, a party is thrown. Uh, There's this great reunion made possible because of the love of a father. We know this story told by Jesus is, is intentional. It is a picture of Father God, and it is that father who wants to be a model father to you. It's this father who shows us what an unearthly love looks like. And it's this father that we get to love in return. So regardless of your earthly father, Father God can be your father today. Father God is a good father. And in all of that, God shows us the kind of people that we can then be in relationship with God. Because like Father God, we can love through sacrifice. Like Father God, we can engage this world with hope. Like Father God, we can believe in faith for the people around us to see God's goodness. God's love makes all of that possible. We love because God first loved us, says in 1 John. This is the love that Father God wants us to fathom. This is what Father God wants us to understand and experience. God wants us to experience the fullness of his love. Father God is love. Will we then grow in knowing that love today? Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.